The following audio is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that this recording will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. Some might sort of joke and go, absolutely, I know what injustice is at Easter. It's a mother who spends her time gathering all this chocolate and then goes and hides it around the house only to find other, have other people find it and then consume it. Well, that's the Easter injustice. Well, maybe a little bit, but no, that's not the injustice I'm thinking of. So I'm thinking about the injustice related to the trial and death of Jesus. See, Easter is about the unrighteous benefiting from the injustice served upon the righteous. Easter is about the righteous Jesus taking the place of the unrighteous humanity. In the Easter story, we see the innocence and love of God on display. We also see the guilt and sinfulness of mankind on display. The Easter story is Jesus enduring injustice at the hands of selfish mankind. He does it so that we might be able to receive justice at the hands of our loving God. And this Easter, we are invited to benefit from the injustice Jesus endured. And when we do that, we will see that the Easter story truly is the best story in the world ever. Because at Easter, God takes the greatest injustice and uses it for the greatest good. Now, when it comes to great injustices in our world, they seem to revolve around the innocent party being treated as guilty and the guilty party being treated as innocent. Well, it's no different the trial of Jesus. Look with me please at Matthew chapter 27. We'll be reading from verse 11 through to verse 26. If you don't have a Bible there in front of you, then it's on the screen. You can just follow along there. Matthew chapter 27 and starting at verse 11. This is the word of the Lord for us. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You have said so. But when he accused, when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge so that the governor was greatly amazed. 
Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had, and they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas, or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said, Let him be crucified. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. It is made clear to us in that passage that Jesus is innocent. In fact, it's even made clear to us before this passage, back in verse 3 and 4 of chapter 27. See, Judas, Jesus' betrayer, declares that Jesus is innocent. Jesus declares that Judas, in fact, has sinned by betraying innocent blood. In our passage, Pilate's wife declares that Jesus is innocent. She says, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. In fact, those words are more than just a declaration by Pilate's wife. For the readers of Matthew's Gospel, the mention of a dream is an expression used to show that this is a divine revelation. It was used in chapters 1 and 2 in Matthew to Joseph about Mary's pregnancy. It was given to the Magi about Herod to Joseph again about going down into Egypt and then again about coming up from Egypt. And so the readers of Matthew's Gospel, us today, we're certainly to take that this dream, this revelation, the dream given to Pilate's wife is in fact God's revelation that Jesus is innocent. We also see that Pilate believes that Jesus is innocent. We're looking to release Jesus to the crowd, he says, why? What crime has he committed? In fact, when it comes to guilt in relation to the trial of Jesus, it seems to rest fairly and squarely on the shoulders of everyone except Jesus. 
See, all levels of justice and systems of support broke down for Jesus. He was betrayed at the hands of a close friend. He was disowned and deserted by the rest of his friendship group. He was handed over by his religious and national leaders to the foreign power. He was found innocent, but then treated as guilty by the governor who was charged with upholding law and order. And then we see that he was rejected by a crowd of his countrymen in favour for a political prisoner. But with all this going on, we, we cannot sum up the events of Jesus' trial and execution execution as just a perfect storm type scenario. See, it's not as if Jesus was powerless to do anything to save himself. He just chose not to. See, at this time, Jesus had at his disposal legions of angels. Jesus was the man who had raised the dead. He had walked on water. He had told storms to stop. Jesus certainly had the power to resist, yet he chose not to. In the face of injustice coming towards him, Jesus chose silence. How would you go with that? How do you go with that in the face of injustice against you? Maybe your your brother or sister is dobbing on you. They're trying to dob you in for something that you didn't do. Are you able to keep silent? Or maybe your friendship group, they're, they're, they're saying that you've said something about another friend behind their back, but it wasn't you. Can you keep silent? Or maybe you've received that envelope in the mail that's got a photo and a fine attached with your car, but it wasn't you behind the wheel. Can you keep silent? But Jesus does. But why? See, normally silence implies guilt, doesn't it? To not defend yourself implies that you are guilty of the charges. I think in Jesus' case, his silence shows us at least two things. Firstly, I mean, it shows us that God is faithful to his word, doesn't it? Because in his silence, Jesus fulfills prophecy. It's a prophecy that Jesus is, in fact, the anointed saviour of God. We see in Isaiah 53, verse 7, it says, He was opposed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his its shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth. Secondly, we we see Jesus' silence serves to highlight what injustice looks like in the hands of mankind. And that is in comparison to justice in the hands of God. 
See, at the trial of Jesus, mankind's version of justice is on display. And we see that justice, when given over to mankind, is self-serving. Human injustice cares little for truth when a person's own interest and comfort is challenged. For Judas, truth was of little value when there was a buck to be made. For Israel's religious leaders, truth matters little when it threatens their own popularity and power. For Pilate, truth goes out the window when he has nothing to gain. And for the crowd, truth is disposable when it challenges their religious comfort and political ideologies. Not much has changed for us today, has it? Truth or justice in the hands of mankind is still a time when truth is of little value when there's a buck to be made. When truth matters little when it threatens our popularity and power. And often we see in this world that truth goes out the window when there's nothing for us to gain ourselves. And truth will be disposable when it challenges our religious comfort and political ideologies. But while we see mankind's justice on display at the trial of Jesus, on the cross of Jesus, we see God's justice And there we see that justice in the hands of God is both a fearful and a gracious thing. God's justice is full of truth and grace. I remember the words of Jesus where he cries out, Father, forgive them, for they do not know. Jesus reveals truth on his cross. And the truth he reveals is the truth about who God really is and the truth about who people really are. The truth is that our character does not measure up to God's. God is selfless in his love. Our love is selfish. God's character is good, ours is not. God's track record is one of faithfulness and perfection. Our track records are records of unfaithfulness and blemish. Therefore, we can see that God is right to pass judgment and his judgments are true. The grace of God that that Jesus reveals is that God can choose to show love and kindness to those deserving of his judgment. And this grace of God is possible because his righteous anger over sin, his judgment of human sin, has been taken by the one who deserved his love and kindness. 
Look with me at verses 15 to 18. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Here we see an exchange, one deserving of death, exchange, one deserving of love. The Greek text here brings to light the comparison between Barabbas and Jesus. See, in the Greek text, Barabbas is called Jesus Barabbas. And Mark's gospel shows us the sort of man that Barabbas was. It shows us that he was a murderer, a man guilty of rebellion and insurrection, crimes that are punishable by death by the Romans. Barabbas was well known for these things. But Jesus was also well known. He was well known as a man anointed by the Spirit of God. He was a man of compassion and healing for those in need. Matthew 15 tells us the great crowds came to Jesus, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet. And Jesus healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Jesus was also known as a man who would stand up to the hypocrisy of his day, who was known as a man of great teaching, teaching to turn the other cheek, to go the extra mile, to give generously, to give humbly. He taught people to love their enemies, to love God and love their neighbour. He taught people to trust in God and not their own deeds or resources. Yet at the insistence of the crowd, Jesus takes the place of Barabbas and dies Surely this is the greatest injustice. A man proven innocent, treated as guilty. So how can God possibly take this injustice and use it for the greatest good? Friends, the reason is because Easter is not just the story of Jesus taking the place of Barabbas. Easter is the story about Jesus taking the place of us too and it can be our story. See, Jesus' death was more than just an innocent man dying because of injustice caused by guilty people. Jesus' death goes deeper and further than just one innocent substitute for the death and guilt of one person. Jesus' death on the cross was one substitute's death for all who deserve judgment. 
Jesus says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And these words of Jesus mean that his death causes, is more than just causing a ripple on the surface of his day. His death is more like a seismic event. A seismic event that travels throughout history. History past, present and into the future. The willing death of the innocent Son of God is offered as God's gracious sacrifice in place of all who will accept his offer. Like Barabbas, we too can experience freedom and the grace of God because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, takes our place. He suffered once for sins. Jesus, the righteous, for us, the unrighteous, to bring us to God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in Jesus will not perish but have an eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the son will not see life. God's wrath remains on him. One writer, John Piper, sums this up exchange of the innocent for the guilty with these words. He says, There is no greater sin than to hate and kill the Son of God. There was no greater suffering and no greater innocence than the suffering and innocence of Christ. Yet God was in it all. His aim through evil and suffering was to destroy evil and suffering. This is why Jesus came to die. God meant to show the world that there is no sin too great that God cannot bring from it everlasting righteousness and joy. The very suffering that we caused became the hope of our salvation. There is plenty about the Easter story that we are uncomfortable with, isn't there? Plenty of times when we read through this story that we just shake our head and say, that is not right. But friends, it is those times that we see justice is in the hands of mankind. They are the times when we actually see similarities with when justice is placed in our hands, isn't it? Jesus endured injustice of mankind so that God's justice might be displayed. Jesus suffered so that God's grace might be available to us, to you and to me. God offers his grace for us today. 
offers to take the greatest injustice and use use it for our greatest good. If you haven't received his grace today, then why not do it this Good Friday? Why not make this a Good Friday to all who ask him for it. For everyone who will put their their faith in Jesus and repent, own up for what they have done. And if you would like to receive this grace from God, if you would like to have God use the greatest justice in the world ever, use it for your greatest good, all you need to do is ask Just in your own words, be truthful to God. Own up for the wrong you're responsible for and the fact that you do not measure up to God's character. He is innocent and we are not. He is good and we are not. His record is perfect and faithful and ours is not. Ask Jesus. Ask God to look with favour upon you because of the death that Jesus died in your place. And commit to Jesus. Commit to living with him as Lord of your life. There is no sin too great that cannot be forgiven. There is no sin too great that will not be forgiven for those who ask for Jesus' grace. And as we come to a time of communion now, I would encourage you to respond to Jesus' loving offer. If you have not placed your faith and trust in Jesus, why not do that now? Just reflect on what we're doing. If you have, let's respond anew to the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. His death. Thanks for listening to this audio from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.